0: Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do, the podcast where I, your host, Denard Dennis Matta, speak to artists and entertainers about their day jobs and on the program today is not just an artist, not just an entertainer, but he's also a businessman. He is my good friend Giovanni Ilario Alabicio, who is the owner of the Salem Witch Trials Tour in Salem, Massachusetts. And that is something that is important and being affected by COVID-19 right now because of the whole quarantine. His whole business is people, is tourism. People coming to Salem to go on historic history tours around Salem. Whether it be ghost tours, um, real historic tours, uh, witchcraft, the witch the whole witch trial tours. Uh, they have an African Americans uh, in, in New England tour, walking tour that they do as well. He'll talk about all of that on the program. Uh, but he and I know each other because we do stand-up comedy together and we've done movies together. Uh, it's, he's one of my favorite people to, to talk movie shop with because he's very well informed of what's going on in the union and he is not above gossiping. <laughs> I love to talk gossip on set. That is one of my favorite things to do. Talking about what other productions we've been on, what went right, what went wrong. Uh, who's a nice person, who's not. Uh, and he is one of the people who definitely indulges me on that, which you'll hear I go in on some of it and he'll talk about some of his own experiences too. And you can actually see him right now. You know, he's just more like me where we do small acting roles and stuff like that. But uh, he is in the final episode eight of defending Jacob on Apple TV. Plus you can just see him sitting next to JK Simmons in a scene. And that's really all it is, is just him standing there, sitting there smiling uh, much in the same way that when I was on set with uh, Chris Evans, how I just smiled and just sent, heart eyes at him because god damn is he a pretty man uh anyway yeah so giovanni and i talked a lot about uh comedy and acting a lot about acting but also what his business is like he is a business owner so this thing is insane for him because he can't be doing his tours well he found out a way around it so that is the one of many things that we talked about on this episode so i hope you enjoy my conversation with actor, comedian, and Witch Trial tour host, Giovanni Elario Alabicio. Yeah, there are so many people in this interview that are so full of shit about their capabilities, about what they can do, and not even uh, erroneously as a lie doing it. They're just delusional to the fact, and that's comedy. That's what attracts us to this. Da, 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 da. I don't know. I guess acting's the same way. Like, how many times have we sat, you know, in the uh, holding area doing background work and just listened to somebody go, oh, you never know. This could be your big break. Peter Burke could come out here and like you and make you a starring role.
1: Well, I do have to admit that didn't happen to me. I'm not a star. Didn't <laughs> not a star. But the director there, the guy on Central Intelligence, they picked me out of the crowd to be a homeless person and I got day player. So... That was pretty cool. And then of course they cut me, but at the wrap party, the director, I forget his name now, Rumson, I was uh, I don't know, maybe not. Anyway, he said, uh, you're still in the rough cut. And I'm like, yeah. So I don't know what happened. (laughs) I, I would got cut from the rough cut.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I do enough productions where they know that my best side is whatever side is behind the camera. So.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what I told people on black mass. I said, you know, I said, yeah, I was uh, right there at the camera, uh, just on the wrong end. You know, (laughs) they set it up in front of me, and then as they're trying to get Cumberbatch, they're like, "Excuse me, could you just move over?" It's like, (laughs) I'll just, I'll throw myself on the floor. Thank you very much.
0: Oh yeah, there's uh, there. There's so many things that I did uh, between, you know, in 2018 and 2019 where I'm just like, there's zero chance you're seeing me. Like, I don't know why I'm pretending to make any actions. I'm on the other side of of a wall between the camera and me. There's a wall between the camera and me. I don't know why I'm pretending to act. This is ridiculous.
1: But the check's still cleared. check clears, okay. It's like comedy. We all want to. We all want to be part of it, even if it's a little teensy small way, you know? I think I did six days
0: on the defending Jacob, which you have a very prominent two shot with J.K. Simmons. And I did probably six days on that. You can't see me in any shot.
1: Yeah, I saw a lot of people. I saw um like Lenny Clark, and, you know, and I thought like, I, I know it's almost like they made that for Lenny Clark. They said, hey, let's make him the Roach Coach guy so we can give him some residuals.
0: <laughs> oh, totally. A thousand percent. Like it's. For Lenny Clark, who has starred in movies and TV shows, playing the hot dog cart man in Defending Jacob should feel insulting, but I'm sure he's just happy because you know, he's become such a happy, jovial, go-lucky yeah. kind of guy that he's just like, I'm just happy to be doing something.
1: But his best thing, I, I loved him in uh, Ted 2 when the rookie cop says to him, because he's a cop too, and says, hey, uh, what the hell is uh, you know 1924? He goes, ah. Someone's trying to steal Brady's jizz again. <laughs> that was beautiful. You know, the, the
0: Super Bowl commercial with uh, Tony V and all the guys that's like, or SmartPak, that's what it was. Did you ever get an audition announcement for that? Oh, I did. I auditioned for it. So I never heard it. Oh, not, not only was, did I hear about it, they contacted me and asked me to come in for it. And it was I was doing it and I literally said to Angela, who's the head of Boston Casting, because I started just, she was like, all right, go ahead and just do a goofy take. And I started just doing over-the-top Boston accent. And I'm doing it, and, I'm, and she's like, this is so funny. I don't know what any of these things you're saying are, but this is hilarious. And I'm like, I don't know why you're wasting either of a time, because you're just going to give this to Tony V anyway. Lo and behold, Tony V. <laughs> they,
1: they, they have their favorites, and they can deny it, but they, they do, you know. I never got called for it. I've gotten called for other stuff by her, and um, I've done a good job. And I just don't hear, you know? But they have to show so many people because they have to show that they're doing their job.
0: Well, it's also, you're in the same... I would say you're in a very similar boat than I am, is that we are both so very drastically un-normal looking. And I don't mean that we're freaks or anything. Like, we don't blend... You and I don't blend it with with your long hair. What do you mean? Yeah, with your long hair, you know, our body types, you know, my facial hair, these very specific glasses... And stuff we are very specific looking. we don't blend into a crowd right so it's hard for that then to just go don't take this the wrong way but yeah you naturally fit into a homeless person look with the, with the long hair you don't oh, chair yeah. a few days or or whatever and also your age we're very specific people and we fit a very I'm specific in a
1: prisoner yeah right
0: <laughs> yeah and it's like um again with Defending Jacob they kept pushing to get me to be one of the bailiffs because they're like it's a six day minimal and then we can still use it in something else if we want or whatever maybe and they told me that they fought for me, and the reason they passed on me is because I don't look like a bailiff. Whatever yeah. the fuck that's supposed to mean. So, I lost out on six to, uh, over a week's worth of pay because... I mean, I've
1: lost out on so much stuff. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, Castle Rock, I lost out on... Um, they wanted men with long hair and beards and to work with rats, and we were going to be French prisoners in Castle Rock, because if you've seen it, there's a whole French thing about it from the 1600s.
0: Oh, in season two, yes, okay.
1: Yeah, in season two. And I was like, this is awesome. And I was told to hold the dates and it was through CP casting. Then I didn't get it. And I was stunned. And I tried to get some clarification and just got nothing from Kyle because cause Kyle was like, Kyle could work for the men in black, the <laughs> way he gives out information. You know, he just everything close to the chest. Then when I watched it, they cut out the whole fucking scene. Oh, but those people still got paid, they still got their you Know whatever it was 1500 bucks,
0: yeah. I would do uh, what little women kept casting saying looking for guys with beards. I submitted three times, they never called me because apparently yeah. my beard's just not scraggly enough for them or whatever. I don't know why.
1: you know, my beard, yeah. And then you know, and they they just she just never called me, but when I met her, she said my hair was too long. I said I, I would cut my hair, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't have that option, but
0: if someone if if Wardrobe wants to give me a good wig. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna get mine cut. I was gonna get it cut in December. I started thinking about it, started looking around in January for a place because I haven't had a haircut in five years, and uh, then the pandemic hit, and then I couldn't get my haircut. But now, <laughs> never wanted one so badly in your life. And uh, but she doesn't like the really long hair, so I'm afraid she gets me in the chair. She's gonna cut the whole thing instead of just trim it. So I don't trust her.
0: <laughs> oh, so you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna like cut it and like donate it to Lots of Love or something like that.
1: That was initially the goal way back, and then I kind of liked it, but it's so long now, I could donate it, but it's grayish, so I don't know if they take gray, yeah, um but who wants a gray way do that anyway, you know, and send it to them, and it you know they can use it great, you know, but um, but yeah, I'm gonna trim it it gotta be a minimum of eight inches for that, but I'm gonna just get it like shoulder length, and I give myself a different look and then hopefully uh start auditioning. Again, now that stuff is slowly coming back. Uh, I I mean, there's so much
0: going around and who knows what's happening with states and stuff. And we're in Facebook groups and stuff. We're acting that publish articles from every time Dick and Harry out there talking about what's happening in the industry. So do you think do you know a little bit more or do you think you have a good idea of when? acting jobs are going to start coming back to Massachusetts.
1: Right. I really don't. I, I just see a lot of Facebook posts and on some of the SAG stuff they're talking about, like, Oh, this is how the new, new, new productions are going to look. What, what's going to happen. It's going to be, you know, all the non-unions are going to go and it's just going to be SAG or if, you know, any of these big scenes. And I watched movies today. I watched Gladiator last Sunday or something and all the people in those scenes in the background, and I'm like, well, that's never gonna happen again, (laughs) you know, not for a while. Uh, But it's just what I'm seeing in all that chatter. And um, that there are a few things down the road coming, auditions are happening. I I, I know some people who are auditioning virtually, like yourself or whatnot, and around um, the country. So, and I, I know someone who's moving from Rhode Island to California in the next couple of months and gonna take their shot. During the pandemic.
0: Massachusetts is constantly fighting for the tax credit here. Right. And we don't know if that's just SAG trying to keep themselves relevant in our eyes by saying, hey, send it to your congressman, or if it's actually up for being removed entirely. Do you think that this pandemic... Could be the nail in the coffin for Massachusetts productions?
1: No, I don't think so. You know, there's a lot of congressmen who are very, um, and congresspeople who are very uh, supportive and they know the value of it and how much money it does bring into the state, even though we're giving them a discount on payroll and a few other things, but there's a lot of support for it and the governor tried a couple of times to knock it down and they fought and the governor on it, so I think the governor has finally realized that you know the lobby's too strong and he can't get rid of it, and it's going to stay. And we're now trying to get rid of the sunset law, uh, on it. So um, that's where the it expires in 2021. So we've been working on that now to try to get that made permanent, so that way there, because you know, as you know, productions are looking they're always looking in advance and especially now with the pandemic that they can only look in advance. So they, they, you know, if like, if there was no pandemic in 2020, they would be looking at 2021 and doing all their budgeting and planning. And they would have to know that they're going to get the credit if they come here. So that's why we're trying to get rid of that sunset law.
0: So basically instead of being in production right now, they're just doing hardcore pre-production work to try and make sure as soon as they green light going to work, they can, Be to work the next day. So that's interesting to hear.
1: They're figuring out how to do a production under the new rules. There's a couple, there's one in Iceland. There's been two productions, I think, overseas where they have figured out how to do it and they have color coded systems. And, you know, they're talking no crafty anymore. And meals come in a box and just like, you know, there's no buffet anymore. And so there's all the social, all the, the pandemic rules that we're applying now. Are going to be applied to sets so it's going to be less people and less touching and no handshaking no hugging and the movies going to look so different now might not be love scenes for a while well wow, so you think there will be
0: permanent changes or do you think there'll be just temporary changes
1: i think temporary and with the hope that they go away with the hope that they they are temporary but it, it could go temporary to permanent from what I'm reading.
0: All I see are the, the insane panic post of like somebody going like, they're going to replace us with digital people. Look how good this is. And it's like, Oh, shut yeah. up. Like I've the world's not going to turn and, into all cartoons. Like that's just not going to happen.
1: Yeah. Cartoon Mark Wahlberg and, and, um, and, right? and like, him and Hawk in the second uh Spencer, Spencer, the sequel. Yeah.
0: Dude. <laughs> again, going back to the, the, uh, just the ways of production, they, they, uh, I did well over a week in different days on that, and I sat in holding for three twelve-hour days. Never even made it to set. Never got in front of the camera. Just twelve-hour days sitting and holding. And I'm like, whatever. I will r- keep racking up this overtime. Or, or two days sitting and holding. One of those days for ten of twelve hours, I sat in my car, just parked on the side of the street waiting. Wow. It was the Lambo scene. We did that th- for three days. It took three days to do that scene where he gets uh, where he rolls over the where he rolls over the car and. Chases after the Lamborghini. And one full day, at least 10 hours. It was a 12-hour day. 10 of those hours was me sitting in my car.
1: Oh, he chases um James Dumont.
0: Yeah. And he has yeah. a... Which, by the way, if, if anyone's listening, has not seen Spencer Confidential. Here's the scene, okay? <laughs> Mark Wahlberg is standing on the side uh, of the road of Com Ave, out front of Kane's Chicken the, by BU, uh, in a Gaines Arena. Talking to uh to, to uh, Tyler Duke is his name uh the guy yeah, who plays man. Hawk uh and he's M'Batu from um from um Wakanda Forever Black Panther they're just talking and a drug dealer drives by in a Lamborghini and then Mark Wahlberg takes off on foot and chases down the street after the Lamborghini gets hit by a car rolls over the hood gets up and continues to chase down this Lamborghini <laughs> and then gets into a fight with a dog. And if you ask me to write a spoof Mark Wahlberg scene, that is the exact scene I would write.
1: <laughs> you know, next year, um, Wahlberg is going to be uh, in the Indy 500 race, running on foot against all the other cars. <laughs> I, and, and he's they, they put him at 11 to 1. So, you know, <laughs> he got good odds. Mark Wahlberg is a car coming this <laughs> fall, 2021. Transformer. <laughs> Mark
0: Wahlberg is the Transformer. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, all right. So you think, uh, like, me, I just care about, you know, well, cared. Uh, I have a, no job now, but I do have a, a you know, a day job again because I gave up on acting, and I'm four grand into debt to SAG, so <laughs> those dreams were taken away from me until I can get four grand. But mm. the, uh, the, so you think the days, like, for somebody like, who is me who just wants to do background work does not have any desire... For speaking roles and for leading roles or playing the you know, the Pat Oswald best friend type or any of those things. Somebody who just wants to show up, get two free meals, 21 bucks an hour, and be slightly out of focus in the background. You think, for the most part, those days are pretty much numbered?
1: For non union, maybe. Okay. So it all depends on whether productions honor the contract, the side contract, um, which they should. Um, but so for TV, I think the number is like 57. You have to have. 57 SAG people before you can take a non-union and for movies it's like 84 or 82 so if you're going to have smaller scenes and you're not going to use as many backgrounds you might just do 84 on a movie and um, non-union just never works because SAG has to work first
0: Do you think, um, and again, you don't work for the union. You're just a union member. You have been for a while and you're a very in touch person with everything that's going on because this is much more of your livelihood than it was mine during that time. Do you think that this may cause SAG to approve more waivers so they get more members? And so there'll be less parts out there, but the union will increase its numbers. Do you think that that's fairly likely?
1: That's a possibility, you know, you know, but in a lot of ways too, people like have gotten waivers because they had a certain look like what we were talking about earlier. Um, They've got a specialty uh, you know, something that the production needs. So in that sense that, you know, that's a a way a lot of people get their waivers. So, but the way you were saying it, I, that's a possibility too, that, you know, maybe people will be, you know, looking for that. Maybe they'll try to, you know, give some of the non-unions that have been non-union for a while that maybe want to go, to the union, get them a few waivers so they can actually join. And then the union can actually get, you know, some dues because the union's probably going to be hurting too. Everybody's hurting. So they're probably going to be hurting as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's one of the things that came up in the big uh, SAG election. This most recent election is do we, you know, do we vote for the people that want to strengthen our numbers and get more people, i.e. more dues for the, for the cut, for the, for the or the union. Where right. do we go with the person who wants union first and get the people who are working jobs and not try to strengthen our numbers? And I think if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe you don't know, but that was Matthew Modine's platform was strengthen yeah. strengthen the union, don't strengthen the numbers. Let's get these people to work. Let's get the people we have working yeah. and not let's just bloat our numbers. As opposed to you know what we're seeing now, where they're you know in my opinion it's almost like they're handing out waivers like candy. Uh, on halloween they're just giving them out trying to get as many people into the union as 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 possible because what's the benefit to having the only benefit to having people in the union is that they get more dues and more and more money right Uh, because that's their only income other than fines and fines have to be agreed upon it's not like they can uh find somebody and that you know they can take them to court for breach of contract and stuff like that but it's not like they're a federal agency where they can demand people pay uh for those fines which you know of course you know, in contract negotiations and stuff like that, there's, you know, we're talking about the numbers of minimal SAG people. Well, productions are totally willing to take a hit financially to have less numbers ahead. You know, though like, hey, SAG, we're just going to pay the fines here ahead of time. From what I understand, I don't have any authority in this, but is what I understand, certain productions will take that hit ahead of time and take the lesser number things because they could pay non-union people less. So, like, mathematically, you know, if we pay to have people we could tr- pay less money, it may be more cost-effective in the future. That happens, too.
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen.
0: None of us know. And it's worrisome for, for someone. It must be amazingly worried for someone like you who's been doing it for so long. And it is so part so much of your own income right now.
1: It, it is. I mean, basically, between the business, the tourism, and tourism, one of the hardest-hitting industries, nobody's traveling, right? And then mm-hmm. you have these... Um, If you come to the States, you know, self-isolate for 14 days. So, you know, it's like, who's going to come to take a tour if they have to get a hotel for two weeks, you know, um, and stay inside. Um, But, yeah, and as far as the acting, like, you know, I wasn't making a whole lot, but I was, you know, I was probably doing, I don't know, 20 days a year. So, which is, you know, pretty good.
0: couple grand.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like, basically. So it's like, you know, I'm like, you know, it's just... I mean, everything, all my money, you know, my income is all, um, I'd say 90, 85 to 90 percent uh, entertainment between tourism and, and movies. And it's like, so, and all that's gone. And I think about all the all the fun I was having, and, you know, it's like getting picked for this, getting picked for that, you know, missing this, but it's like, and then, you know, just hanging out with all my friends and just we're shooting scenes. And then I'm getting in the background and I'm getting seen, you know, and I'm like the J.K. Simmons thing. And it's like, shit that's all gone
0: it's amazing how much those small little things contribute to your health and well-being and your mental health and your your well-being and stuff like that i'm like i'm sure the defending jacob scene with jk simmons that just premiered on apple tv plus the other night in episode 8 was a big huge boost to your self-esteem and your happiness and
1: it's no more needed than now you noticed me and a couple other friends noticed me i got an email and "Is that you and since this isn't just like on tv at a certain time they drop it and you can watch it whenever you want i know as people are doing that they are going to see me and i'm going to get more emails and it's going to be kind of fun i was like ted too i was in that too i was They moved the jib up on me and and a few other people. And we were talking. We had no idea they were shooting, although I kind of had a little idea. (laughs) And um, so I never looked to the camera because I I sensed it coming at us. And um, and people were like, was that you Mm -hmm. and Ted, too? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get paid a lot, but I only got background. But it's cool when people see it. Well, it's
0: also you didn't look towards the camera because you're a professional and not an egomaniac. <laughs> and to, to, once or twice a year since uh, what's that Amy Schumer movie, I Feel Pretty, since that came out. Like I got uh, a, a, a Women in Comedy Festival did a premiere and I got three or four messages from people at the premiere that just was like, are you in this movie? And I'm like, yeah,
1: just. Standing behind Roy Scoville, I missed that. I didn't see that. I only saw one person in there. I, I saw Arthur, and um, in a street scene, and I didn't see a lot of extras in that. I don't think they used too many.
0: There's the restaurant scene. Yeah, they didn't do did, uh, the 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 soul cycle scene. Like there's, I just did the restaurant scene, um, so I don't know what the rest of the productions look like. But I did it. Yeah. I'm sending. It's a it's a scene where she dumps where where she walks away from Roy Scoville, and so it's me another dude and Rory Scovel sitting there the entire time doing the scene. And this one dude's just straight, literally like this mugging yeah. at the camera. And it's like, come on, dude, be a professional. So eventually they get him out of the scene. Cause he's just fucking everything up. And they can't start back from the beginning when they realize that he's just trying to get all the attention on him. So they make, they just go kind of say, Hey, how about uh, after he says this, you just walk away. And then after the scene, you could just see all of the side of me. And I got my hat on and my glasses and it's 1000% hey. me. It's like, impossible to not notice that it's me as long as you just look over your shoulder. So again, just background, but I'm standing right behind the entire main character during the entire scene. Uh, and then that night, Roy and I both did a show at the comedy studio. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I'm uh, doing the show at the studio. He comes walking up the stairs. I'm like, hey, long time no see. He looks like he goes, wait, didn't we? Weren't you just? Hey, what's up? Good seeing you again. And then we just talked about certain yeah, things yeah. in the production and stuff like that. So that was the fun one. But also, yeah, you don't get And about once or twice a year since that movie came out, somebody texts us like, Hey, are you in this? And I'm like, yeah, because it's, you know, again, once you see us, you can't unsee us. That's one of the big problems. That's the, that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time.
1: Well, yeah, when I was in, um, so I got a pic, there was a picture of me in the, uh, it called American hustle and Amy Adams is in this incredible bathing suit and she's taking off her, her shawl, I guess, whatever. And, um, I'm, scene over there and I have a captain's hat and my back, my shirt's off. I just got a bathing suit on and people saw me and they said, that looks like the ghost of Ernest Borgner. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I got noticed. (laughs) (laughs) It was on ET. (laughs) Your
0: page. First season of Castle Rock. There is one of the major scenes uh, it's the one where they bring him the Juniper Hills and the Crow Falls. I'm literally right behind where the Crow Falls and I'm watching all the wrap-up shows and my face is on every single wrap-up show when they talk about that scene. I'm like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. Uh, but you already mentioned the uh, tourism, so let's talk about that real quick. Real quick, just so people who don't know uh, what it is you do, because you're you own a company where you do ghost tours in Salem, and that probably explains everything you do in one sentence, but... <laughs> More, it's your company, and that's what's more important about it. You're you're not just a man that works at the company. Real quick, brief history of your ghost tour company.
1: So um, I bought this company. It was an established company. I bought it in uh, March of 2014. So we're in Salem, Massachusetts, uh, where, of course, the witchcraft trials happened in 1692. Uh, where we executed 20 people for witchcraft and accused close to 200. So um, so we do history tours and ghost tours. The history tours are about the witchcraft, also about our revolutionary history and our seaport history, all sorts of stuff. We do cemetery tour. We do African-American tour, midday ghost tour, evening ghost tour, different lakes. So we do all sorts of tours here. And now, because of the pandemic, we're doing virtual tours so we're doing them online and we do a green screen and people can see pictures and where we are even though we staying in one place the
0: the company does is it just one basic tour or is there a pack is there different types of tours to do
1: yeah all, all different types of tours so and there's five tours a day when we're operating uh you know in normal times So it's like, uh, yeah, there's one tour that's all history, non-witchcraft history. It's everything but that. So people who've lived here, inventors, revolutionaries, seaport, um, you know, uh, all of that. And then the cemetery is a tour that we do all in the cemetery, although that has just closed officially today by the city for restoration work and won't be open all year. But um, we're doing something online for that. We've got something in the works. And then the other tour that we do, a 90-minute tour, those were an hour. We do the witchcraft walk, which is all about what happened in 1692. And that's really popular. That's what people want to learn about. Um, why did we kill 20 people? And it's not a simple answer. It's a very complex situation. There's a lot of stuff that was going on. So um, so those are the tours. The ghost tours at night. We do one during the day, but the night one is 90 minutes. It's all about... Murder, accidental death, paranormal activity. Now, uh, are all of the tours walking tours? Yep. Yeah, um, except for the witchcraft one, we do fly in brooms. Um, there's a little <laughs> training for that. Um, uh, we train you how to fly on the broom. And for the, if you we run out of brooms, we do have a vacuum cleaner for anyone who likes hocus pocus so um but <laughs> but no no we all walking even the witchcraft yeah i wasn't sure if there was tour buses involved in like one of them or
0: anything like that but they're all walking tours so you're walking for an hour and 90 minutes and of course around salem it's a small area where this is so that's a lot of stuff to pack. you know there's you can go through a lot of stuff in a, even a 90 a 60 minute walk you can pack a Perfect. lot of stuff in there because it's all so close and small and is a good fun time uh, in general. Now, I've been to the, I have not been on your tours yet, but I've been to uh, one of the witch museums up there. Um, and one of the things that I always find interesting when people talk about the witch trials and witchcraft and Wiccan and all those things uh, is it's very feminist centric. It's like, you, ki- the witch trials where we killed all these women. And I'm like, Killed a lot of men, too. Like, this wasn't an exclusive to women thing. And in fact, didn't the women start this one? Not that it's, you know, anything wrong. You know, not that I'm saying, oh, because women. But it's like, the witch trials is such, like, a feminist standpoint where it's like, hey, wait a second. Rewind. Uh, Is that something you you find?
1: There were a lot more women that were accused than men. But a lot of people are surprised that men were executed as well. You know that plays into theory too that it was um, it was against the midwives and you know because medicine was starting to take hold instead of the old ways and and that's a theory that doesn't quite fit either but you know some some of the women executed were midwives but a lot of the women that were executed were actually either might have had a charge of witchcraft in the past or um, were over childbearing age they're older there's only a few that were younger the youngest person was. I think 37. That's Sarah Good. And then George Burroughs, a guy, was the second youngest around 39. So most of the women were older. Rebecca Nurse was well in her 70s. And then Giles Corey, the guy that got crushed, was 80 or 81. So those kind of arguments that, you know, kind of there's a lot of different theories and and not all of them fit, you know, but um, the only one real theory that fits is that just Good old human nature, fear, gossip, humans being humans and being nasty to each other. And that's really what it comes down to, just reason just flying out the window. So where have we seen
0: that? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not a new phenomenon, uh, what we're going through now and what we've been going through.
1: Ugh didn't we go on that topic, but... We're getting away from that. We're getting away from that. But it is interesting how history repeats itself. You know, you had one person calling something a witch hunt, a witch hunt, and that phrase um, has been, you know, really kind of overused and not really understood because uh, w- what happened in 1692, people were accused and convicted on, on hearsay, on circumstantial evidence that today would be thrown out of court in a heartbeat. To compare something to a witch hunt like 1692 and say, "Ah, oh, I'm being persecuted. No, you would have been dead in a week,
0: yeah. <laughs> if,
1: if, you know, based on the hearsay. So, you know, and, and there was stuff that happened. I mean, I'll give you one quick little thing. This um, woman, Susanna Martin, was up in Amesbury because this was Essex County, Suffolk County, Middlesex County, not just Salem. Uh, but she wanted this guy to pull something with his oxen and cart. He refused. So she says to him, soon, soon enough, your, your oxen will be of no use to you. So this was in 86, 1686. Six years later, he testifies and um, that against her and says, uh, the next day, my cows swam across the Merrimack River and went to Plum Island. And then I couldn't catch them for two days. And then they went into the Atlantic Ocean and they headed back to England. One of them turned back, the other 13 drowned and washed up on shore the next day. So clearly she did all this and she's a witch. (laughs) This is the stuff they said, I know. And we laugh because we think like, how could they think this? How could they be so stupid? But Everybody believed in witchcraft back then. What are the
0: other, you know, because I love occasionally you'll drop something like when we're somewhere with somebody, you'll drop some like, well, well actually witchcraft knowledge on somebody. I love it because you are now an expert in witchcraft, which yeah. sounds weird to say. It's like saying, oh, I know a lot of facts about unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> But the, uh, the, so what are other mis, uh, common misconceptions to the witch trials and witchcraft in oh. general that you run across either on your tours or with people in real life?
1: God, I hate to bring it up because we, we try to, to don't bring it up because we don't want people to give people that idea and then maybe they'll embellish it, you know, but there was the ergot theory that people talk about where there was a fungus in the rye and they knew about the fungus. They didn't eat the fungus, but people were saying, "Oh, they—that's why everybody was hallucinating because of the rye." But it's like it's not true. They knew knew about it and they knew not to eat it. And some people say, "Well, maybe it was just a little bit." And it's like, no, having a little bit of of ergot is like being a little bit pregnant. <laughs> you either are or you're not. And you know, and you would your tips of your fingers would get black, your nose would get black, your ears, the tips. And, and it was kind of like um, uh, gangrene in a sense, in a way, like, you know, you know, that you and you would die from it. And there were no reports of any of this happening. So it, it wasn't an ergot and the experts have shot it down. Uh, and then the feminism thing you mentioned, too, um, th- that's a big part of it, that it was all against women. And it wasn't. It was against people they didn't like. Yeah. Um Oh, um, some of the other things was against, it was Salem Village against Salem Town, but no, there was Andover involved, heavily involved too. And this was wide reaching. This was all over three counties uh, that we have today surrounding Boston. So Suffolk, uh, Middlesex, and Essex. Wasn't just Salem. We call it the Salem Witchcraft Trials because the hangings were here, the court was here, but, you know, and that's the other thing too. Everyone says, oh, it happened in Danvers, you know, formerly Salem Village. And it's like, it started there, but it happened everywhere, and we were the seat of power here in salem
0: uh, now somebody who is uh let's let, i mean I'm gonna use the word if you i don't this an expert in his history a particular history, but you are an expert in it. you know all there is to know about it. Do you find currently with the uh way the internet is of like revisionist history and making up stories that the internet is? Uh, a perpetrator and not good for a not good resource for finding things because there's so much misinformation? Or do you think the internet's being good about all this? And this is a strictly personal opinion in your experience.
1: Yeah, I I think it's 50-50. I think the internet is a great resource. I'm a former journalist, so you have to back up. You don't look at one source and say, oh you have to look at multiple sources. So you don't look something up for two minutes and say, oh, now I know. It's like, no, no. Now you got to double check it. Um, so like you can go to Wikipedia and you can look something up on Wikipedia, but you got to treat Wikipedia as the police informant. Okay. And then you got to verify Wikipedia. So Wikipedia is like the Huggy Bear of Starsky and Hutch. Okay? <laughs> it's like, you know, take what, what Huggy Bear says, but... Make sure you verify what Huggy Bear says. Okay. So um yeah, you know, and and you have to make sure you get a look. There's some really good sources, University of Virginia, which has the actual documents. Um, there's Bentley's Diary, there's all these other sources that you can look at um that are really strong. But you know, you gotta watch out for the blogs because someone says something on a blog, because anybody can write a blog today. You know, so you just, it it can be good. You got to know what you're looking at and you got to verify. Always got to verify. Because if you don't do that, you're just taking Joe Blow's blog and he says something and next thing you know, you're telling a falsehood for the next 20 years.
0: What came first, your interest in history and witchcraft? Or did you have this interest and expertise after
1: taking over the business? So I worked here before I owned it. So the woman uh, who, who ran it, she started the company in '97, doing ghost tours, and um, then she did history stuff in 2002. I joined in, I guess, 2011, and I was doing tours for her, you know. And then I, I was, I was slowly learning more and learning more, and then I started digging in to a lot of the information and reading the books and going to places and checking things out. So. I think I've always had a love of history. I used to watch all history shows when I was a kid and some with my dad, but I think the witchcraft trials kind of sucked me in like a tornado and it's whipping me around and it controls me and it's not letting me go.
0: You know, as the man who now owns the business, um, what do you look for in people who want to be a host? Are you looking for people who have a prior history? Are you looking for somebody who is outgoing? Is there a balance? Do you favor one more than the other? How do you go about hiring people for your ghost tours?
1: person has to have an interest. We have a lot of people on staff. We got some teachers on staff that are interested in the trials. Uh, one person who's been doing it for so many years, others, I got a few SAG actors that are involved in like history and like acting. So it's a little bit of, of everything. Um, but it's usually people who who have a passion for, for history and a passion for, um, speaking and telling people stuff. So, um, so it's a combination of things that I'm really looking for, and we're always looking to hire, because this is like a, it's like a company softball team in a sense. Mm-hmm. You need 26 people on the, the team to field a team of eight any particular night, and then you still have to leave right field open. You need a lot of people to run a company like this. As you never know, like one night, like you have three tours, and suddenly you only have like two guides that are available because everyone's doing other stuff
0: when, when bringing in new employees, cause this is not like a business, you know, that anybody else ha- is a part of really. Uh, I mean there's historic reenactment tours and stuff like that Oh, yeah. but it's a very specific niche in general. Is it easier to teach someone who has history knowledge to be a good host and actor, or is it easier to teach history to someone who's a good actor?
1: I think it's easier. To teach um, acting and presentation and conversationalism to someone who is into the history.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Uh, The hardest part of this is the knowledge. So many people will come to Salem and they already know a lot about witchcraft. And that's the last tour that we allow people to do. Because we'll be training people on that tour for a while before we let them give it a shot. uh, Because you're going to get questions. And when you get questions you can get some specific questions and then, you know, and we don't lie. We, we, if the guide doesn't know, the guide will say, I don't know. So, so I think having that history knowledge first, we can mold you into a good speaker and a, you know, and a decent actor. Whereas the other way, if, you know, trying to, we've done that, we've tried to educate people who are actors and good speakers. And that's a struggle, Hmm. Um, but it's not that it's, you know, a failure but it's a struggle and there is some success there, but it's, yeah, the other way for history, just the love of history, the knowledge of history is kind of favored.
0: And now in Salem, there's a lot of different companies doing witch stuff. are you always checking in to see what they're doing with, and I don't want to use the word competitor, but there's no other really, you know, you're, you're, no other word because competitor sounds like you're at battles with them. And I, I know you, you're
1: not, Well, we, do. We, um, we get our swords and we meet on the common once <laughs> every week, you know, November um,
0: 1st, you, you battle out after Halloween to see who will be the reigning champion of, of
1: Halloween. And there's a trophy. Um, yeah, it's a cauldron. Um, but,
0: um I mean do you check yeah, in you with know, like I mean, the, the, the do you check in with the museums what they're doing and how they're doing just to see what oh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, we do. I think everybody kind of checks in on each other and we're competitors, but there's so many people that come to Salem. There's enough for everyone. And you know, we get one point five million visitors and then those one point five million don't just do one thing, they do three or four or five things. I had somebody on my tour one night who had done every tour in town. Wow. That's about 15 tours. So um, not to mention the attraction. So it's more like this 6 million people come in here. And um, so if I got 10% of that, <laughs> um, if I got um, six six 600, 600,000 people, I couldn't handle that. If I got 1% of that, maybe that's what I'm getting. I don't know. But it's like, you know what I mean? So there's enough for everyone. So we're check in on each other. We kind of see what they're doing. We know what this company does. We know what that company does. They know what we do. And we just kind of stick to what we do. So
0: let's talk about how the pandemic has been affecting the business that you run. What were the first days going into quarantine looking like? Were you expecting to be shut down? Were you expecting to be shut down this long? Uh, were your thoughts of, nah this all blow over, or this isn't a big deal? Because I know I thought that a lot at the beginning, and I am willing to admit I was wrong. This is a much bigger deal than I thought it was
1: yeah. should have been
0: personally, but what did the first few days of of uh, of the upcoming pandemic look for you as a business owner? Well,
1: I don't know. The first few days um th- I was thinking that maybe this would be a short thing. We had tours booked through uh, we did tours in January, or February. So we had tours booked in March. We were reaching out to people, letting them know we were still operating, and then it wasn't I think until March 24th, when the governor said, um, shut things down. And so from the early part of March on, I was like, I think we can still do tours and it can be safe and all this. And then, um, people were canceling seeing what was happening in other parts of the country. And I was like, I don't quite so know what's going to happen. So, but the bottom line is, is that we haven't done a, a physical tour, uh, since early March. So we're doing virtual tours right now. So the pandemic has absolutely crushed us. It's crushed Salem. There's nobody here. Um, There are people walking around and they've come from out of state and they're supposed to self-isolate and they're not doing that. So it's like it's crushed the state. It's crushed tourism and it's going much longer than I ever thought it would. You know, I, I fortunately did get a loan. From the government.
0: You got part of it, So you were able to get into the PPE loans, which was going to be my next question. How was that process? Was it lengthy? Was it difficult? Was it easy? Because I've heard from some people that, like a friend of mine, she's a dog walker. She has two employees. She applied for it. By the time she applied for it, they're like, sorry, the fund's out of money. You're SOL. that's um, yeah. a story heard among, co- commonly a, among a lot of small businesses and you're a small business. How did the process for the PPE loan go for you?
1: I'd say... It was fairly easy, but I, um, I'm a retired CPA. So this is stuff I've done a million times for as a CPA. So uh, the numbers didn't bother me putting it together, although there were changes. So I filed an application and then it was like, oh, we got to redo it. And it's like, And then I had to rush to redo it because of get it in. Um, and I did miss out on the first round. The money was gone you know, because there were a lot of corporations taking more than their share and shouldn't have been taking anything. So, but I did get in the second round. So the process, I'd say the application is fairly easy to understand the process, but actually getting the money and jumping through all the hoops, I I felt like a circus animal, you know, just having to do all this stuff. And then finally, so I can see where for a lot of people, That would be very difficult to go through because, you know, a lot of people don't like to do their own taxes, never mind fill out a loan application with the federal government. But, you know, it worked out and, you know, I've got I'm paying my employees. We're doing work. We're doing the virtual tours. So um, it's kind of working. It's going to kind of help us through the summer and hopefully, you know, by the fall, we'll definitely be doing tours. But I'm hoping it'll be much earlier, like um, maybe July.
0: And on the conversation of the virtual tours, that you, which you have brought up, how are you doing virtual tours? Are they live streaming? Are they recorded? We, are, you know, we're doing a, a web a video conference here, and I can see that you have a green screen behind you. So I'm assuming that's not by accident, and that's playing into this. But what are the steps to creating a virtual tour for you? And how did you have to? What hurdles did you have to overcome, and how did you
1: overcome them? So I was part of a lot of Zoom um, meetings uh, casting stuff and other things. And, uh, I do a, uh, well now a biweekly meeting with a lot of my high school classmates so we can keep together because we used to get together once a month. So, yeah, so first it was zoom and learning about that. And then I was thinking like, how can I use this? And, you know, and, um, since I have a background in film and production, I know I was putting it together in my mind. So it's streaming on zoom. So and you can do a webinar or you can do a meeting. So I have all these, you know, we, we can have up to 100 people, but we, we take up to 95. And, and they can ask questions. Um, we go to all the stops like we would on our regular tour. Uh, but we don't leave the office because uh, we do screen share or we do virtual, uh, we do the virtual background on the green screen. Nice. So we're kind of like, you know, the weather report, you know, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> where and and so but people get to see but and the great thing about it though is that the stop. so they can't take pictures because usually on our tours they take pictures and they see if they can catch anything. Um so you can't do that here, but on the virtual tour. But the great thing is we can show them pictures of what was taken in the past. And we go to some locations where there are a lot of activity and we show these pictures and then we can do a close-up so people can see it and it's like and and they're pretty much amazed at the stuff that people have captured over the years so aside from just doing it from the office and doing different tours from the office we are planning to and we're trying to figure it out work it out have tech in the office have somebody working in the office giving the tour and then go to live locations around the city and maybe use one or two guides you know, and have to have a hotspot and all this stuff so we can actually broadcast and go live from locations as well. So, and we can do couple locations and the office and make it a really incredible tour.
0: Wow. That, see, that's one of the things. Th- th- this is one of the reasons why I, am, I do this podcast and why I want to talk to interesting people uh, because this is fascinating to listen to for me and I hope for the listeners too. You're taking, you're trying to do the best you can with so many limitations around you like this i you know if anything good comes out of this whole quarantine situation it's that uh great now my bummer accent's coming out because i was like quarantine during this quarantine is that you know it's making people innovate and work harder because you're you just have the limitations and you have to you have
1: to just just have to do it yeah you know go back to something earlier said you asked me is it better to Have an actor and train the actor in history, or better to have the history person and train them in acting. In this case, on the virtual tours, it's better to have the actor and train them in history because they know how to work the camera, talk to the camera, talk to the people on the camera. So, and it makes that a better tour. And not that the other way would be horrible. (laughs) All of a sudden, this skill set leads to having a good actors.
0: Yeah. During this quarantine. I mean, before all of this happened, I was hosting trivia at bars for a couple nights a week, for, you know, to, to make money. Um, sure. But, and I'm doing, we're doing it now through zoom, the company I work for. And this shows you like how my brain is so set to be <laughs> a live performer and a radio host, even though I've done TV. I was I'm doing like the live shows are fun because, you know, what? I, as I'm doing a live show, I can move around my hands and do all these things and, and talk. And I don't actually have to look at anyone specific. I can kind of just scan over the audience and make it pretend like I'm looking at people at live shows. <laughs> like in radio, I don't have to look at anything. I can multitask and throw my arms around everywhere doing these things like a like a freaking octopus on the Enterprise hitting all these buttons. <laughs> I could do that in a radio studio. But now I'm doing trivia on Zoom. And I'm talking and I'm doing all these things and I have to remind myself, look at the camera because I'm doing all these things. And I might maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get away from the mic or whatever this is like. But, you know, like there was one uh, thing I did something and I went to turn around and I turned around like this because I still want to keep talking to the mic as I'm doing something behind me. And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, I still need to look at the camera because people are staring at the screens and I need to stare back at them when I'm talking to them. Uh, so that is a hurdle I had to overcome because of trivia. Uh, I imagine going from, it's similar, uh, it was a similar hurdle for you and your host to go from presenting in a crowd to just sitting still and presenting and then having to figure out how mirrored backgrounds work. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's say yeah, like the weather reporter who's like saying "And over here in upstate New York and then you're looking at the ocean, you know, <laughs> and it's like, uh, no, 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 you got the other side. You know, we talk about virtual tours. I just, we, you know, since the cemetery is closed now, we actually... Shot in there for a week, going to a whole bunch of stones, people talking about this stone and that stone. And I'm putting it together. Shot it on an iPad. We did take multiple takes. So, and I'm going through each one. But, you know, some of them I know it's like if it's only six seconds, it's like, oh, that one's the bad one. That one's the bad one. I cut them. I cut them, you know. So, so yeah. So it's like sometimes you just know, but you got to do it when it's fresh in your mind. The hardest thing I, I the one thing I don't like. About shooting a movie or anything like that, uh, virtual tour, or whatever, um, is going through and categorizing all the clips and trying to decide which ones you want. But you got to put them, you got to say where they are, you got to know from this time to that time, and it's like, oh my god! And it's like just doing that in Final, you know. And I haven't even gotten to Final Cut yet.
0: Yeah, it's it's and tedious it, work, but and, and if you're someone who's like me, who's obsessive compulsive. I have to do that because otherwise it drives me crazy. But at the same time, I want to get the work going and the work done. So it's like when I don't organize all my stuff, I get upset. You know, future Dennis gets mad at past Dennis for not doing it, while pa- <laughs> past Dennis is trying to just let future Dennis get to his work, but he can't do his work because past Dennis fucked him up, fucked him over.
1: <laughs> what does current Dennis do then?
0: Make tea. <laughs> Uh, nice. all right, so on the future of what you think is going to be coming up, you know, the short term future or the long term future or both. What do you think? Do you think you know, you know, you're hoping that we're going to get back to doing live? You hope that you will be getting, not me, I have nothing to do with it, but you hope that you'll be getting back to doing live tours again by the summertime. If that does in fact happen, will hosts be required to wear masks? Do you think the number of people in a group are going to have to be lessened because of social distancing?
1: I think there's going to be changes. Um, you know, this this is going to affect every industry across the board. And there's going to have to be changes that are going to be made. Because when you look at 1918 and the, the Spanish flu, that wasn't over in a few months. That was around for a couple of years. This will be around. I mean, yeah, we're going to have to learn to live with it and how to live with this in our lives. So we're going to have smaller groups right now in our state. We can only do 10 people on a tour uh, once we can. Um, That number could increase if things are going in the right way. But, you know, our governor is smart and he doesn't want to open too soon. He doesn't want to cause anything to make it worse. Don't want to lose all this progress that we've made. So, yeah, we're going to we're going to see smaller tours. And also when it starts, everyone's not going to race back here whether it's going down the Cape, whether it's coming to Salem, whether it's going to Boston for a duck tour, uh, you know, they're not going to just come racing back. Uh, It's going to be a process. It's going to be a trickle. The great thing about Salem is that October, everybody comes to October. There's a lot of chatter online, people asking questions, where should I stay? Uh, What's it going to be like in October? So there's a lot of interest in people still coming here in October, but it will look a lot different. We will see smaller tours, maybe some bigger tours in October, maybe more guides with less amount of people on tours. Um, We'll probably see some price increases because we, we just can't do a physical tour for 10 people and charge just, you know, $15 because that barely pays for the guide and just for opening for the day, I think. And you'll see that across the board through a lot of the companies we're still going to do virtual tours because there's going to be a lot of people that won't come. So we're going to try to do virtual tours every week and different tours, maybe three or four. And, you know, and we're not charging full price for that. We're charging a lesser price because we figure they're not here and they're not seeing the place and they're not, can't take pictures, even though they're getting a picture of a place on a virtual tour. So, and getting a good story. So we've because we can have 90 people on a tour where we can only have 50 people on a tour in the past. That's why we're only charging a little, we're charging less for the virtual tours. But so I see the future. I see smaller tours, maybe a little higher cost per person and um, still continuing to do the virtual tours for the people that don't want to venture to Salem.
0: So you think yeah, even after all this is said and done, we go back to whatever the new normal is going to be or whatever life is after all this, you think you'll still continue doing the virtual tours?
1: Yeah, we might, you know, October could be tough because we might need all the guides doing physical tours, Mm -hmm. but I think we're going to try to try to do them both. And we do them out of the office. So we'd have to get the physical tour out of here first before we could do the office tour, um, the the virtual tour rather. I think we still will be. Yeah. At least through September and then October, we'll see what happens. And then November, December, we might, Go back to doing just straight virtual tours.
0: So yeah, now that's that's exciting that you because of the pandemic you created something and it's gonna continue on. Like Zoom comedy open mics and comedy shows and stuff, I, I'm I'm a part of the belief that once we go back to doing live comedy shows, we're gonna stop doing all this virtual stuff. Maybe there will be a few people holding out, but that's just gonna be circle jerk open mics anyway, where it's just <laughs> a glorified hang session of a bunch a bunch of people that probably can't get booked anyway, but Uh, Or whatever, like I I shouldn't say that, but I'm in a lot of the virtual groups and they're fun and I've met some interesting people. But I think once this is all said and done, those who can get booked will get booked and not look back at the virtual stuff. But it's exciting that you take this and you're going to continue to keep doing it and it's going to be an added service to your business. And it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. It's not insane to think that your virtual tours could continue on from here on out that's a perfect example of the pandemic creating something.
1: Yeah. You know, we did. um, So I've done a few presentations where um, I was scheduled to do one at history camp this year, and then that got postponed and I don't know, it might get canceled now, but, and I did do one at uh, Tapley hall last year. And the game plan was to do our tours, put them together like this and then go to like senior homes and go to um, other locations where people who can't, who aren't uh, ambulatory and can't go, and we go there and we, you know, give them a discount price, and you know, um, we like the the housing department might pay pay for it, and we do give them an hour presentation on, and they get to see places that they maybe can't go to see because they're in a wheelchair or they they just don't walk that well. So, so that was what we were looking at. Maybe two years ago we started thinking about that and to put it together. And then we never put it together. And now this just forced us to put it together. So even if we do stop doing virtual tours or go down to one virtual tour a week in November and December, you know, we'll still probably reach out to some of these homes, maybe veterans homes and stuff where they can't get out and say, Hey, we'll, you know, just give you a a flat rate, you know, discount rate, give them a tour, you know? So Yeah. And
0: even for for schools, you can do these virtual tours for schools across the country that can't come to Salem on a field trip, much like the everyone in New England can. Right. California kids can start getting the the benefits of the Salem witchcraft tours in the future. It's great to hear that you're innovative and you're doing something um, that's positive for the business. It was great catching up. And I always love talking shop (laughs) with other actors because that's basically what we do on set when we're hanging out is just war stories or gossip about other people and this and that. And my favorite gossip has been the movie Eve (laughs) slash Ava. Now they changed the name to Ava, the uh, Jessica Chastain movie that still has not come out yet. Oh, I didn't hear about that one. Okay. Oh yeah. That was filming here in Boston. I did a bunch of days on it and uh, it is the most inefficient set I've ever been on. There was (laughs) so many just full on knockout screaming matches over, uh, over walkies throughout production and it was just a mess from everything wow. i saw and everything i heard from other people was a mess of a production and very uncomfortable to be on set at times because people were just getting for no like oh and also the director got thrown off set because of his problematic because of a uh, sexual assault allegations like the guy who wrote and was supposed to direct it after production got thrown out oh wow This is crazy. So yeah, uh, if people wanted to go on a virtual ghost tour uh, or a virtual ghost tour or a virtual witch witch tour and your virtual tours,
1: how can they do that? So it's very easy. Uh, Just go to our website and just look at our calendar and you're going to see a lot of physical tours that are zeroed Mm -hmm. out right now. But if you go, you look at Fridays and Saturdays, um, you will see the virtual tours and it will say right on it, virtual tour. So it'll look different than the other tours, and it has a different color on it, so they're all color-coded. Go on there, and you can register, and it's just $5 for the, for the tour, and once you register, you will get a confirmation that will have the login information, and then you just use that login information um, the night of the tour. You just sign on, get into the waiting room, and then we start letting you in. We start seating you. Uh, make sure you have your pick and your drink and get ready to to watch the virtual tour and the website is Salem historical tours.com. Excellent. It was good
0: catching up with you. Uh, again, great.
1: Congrats, uh, congrats on
0: the, the FaceTime with JK Simmons on defending yeah. Jacob episode eight, the final episode, watch it on Apple TV plus. It's a really freaking good show. It is.
1: It's freaky. And
0: don't bother trying to look for me. Don't bother trying to look for me. You're not going to find <laughs> me. <laughs> All right. And it was great having you on. It was so good to you and catching up on shop and everything. So take care. Good luck with everything. And uh, I'll probably see Thank you in you. October when we're allowed to see each other. Hopefully.
1: Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me, Dennis. Uh, this has been fantastic.